Let's talk billboards, shall Let's we? Let's talk billboards. Let's talk it. My name is Nick uh, John Gazma. I'm the owner of Azrold. That's a clever way, because otherwise it could have been an issue, and then 100%. have yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can do a thousand at Young and Dundas. With Azrold, you can make we can make thousand dollars work. Really? We can push it for Dundas. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Hell yeah, Young and Dundas for thousand yeah, dollars. So we can do. There was a moment where you were the black sheep of the family. Walk me through that. What happened? Hello and welcome to Hustle by Everything podcast. This is a podcast where we receive stories, tips, and tactics from entrepreneurs who have done it. Now, today we have a great show for you. We're talking billboards, talking entrepreneurship, CEO of Ads World. How you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. For the people who don't know, you can introduce yourself. My name is Nick uh, John Gazma. I'm the owner of Ads World. Most definitely. Yes, you know, in this conversation, we talked about being the black sheep of the family. We talked about, you know, what it takes to be a good salesman, some of the strategies that he took, the truth behind billboards in Toronto. So it's a dope conversation. How do you y'all tune in? Let's get it. And you also were doing chef work too, and then went from so, chefing. So to... my whole high school career, I was gearing towards into being a chef. Yeah. Because my dad was a chef. So it was always something that I liked. I loved food. Um, and that's where I was gearing all my courses. And I went to actually, I wanted to go into pastry. I'm doing pastry, like becoming a pastry chef. I applied for the course, uh, for the program. Um, came back, I was like number 31 of 30. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't want to wait another semester. Mm. Uh, at the time I was starting to DJ. I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me uh, look into radio broadcasting and journalism. This mm -hmm. sounds cool. I've always like had a passion for like, you know, music and just talking to people. So applied there at a college in um, Belleville called um, Loyalist College. They accepted me, um, accepted the offer. Two days later, Seneca accepted me, so I accepted the offer. I said, okay, you know what? I'll do it for about a month. I'll see if I like it, and then um, I'll go into it. I'll go into another space or another industry or whatever. I ended up doing it for about a couple of weeks. I loved the program. I was doing so well. I was just getting along with everyone. Everything that I was good at was essentially what the program was, whether it was building commercials, doing newscasts, just talking to people, putting things together. Just It made sense. Um, in that two-year program, you have to have 100 hours of um, in exper like experience in the industry in order to graduate. Um, I think I was in first semester or second semester, and I secured an internship with Z103. Uh, I think I was the first actual student in my program that was getting paid after three months of doing an internship while still being in school. So I finished my internship, and I did so well that they offered me a job part-time as an event coordinator and event manager. And uh, I was actually hiring all my friends who were at Seneca with me. So they would be actually working under me, which was the funny part because I was like 17, 18 years old. So my friends were like in their 20s and I'm a little younger than them. And they were all working the events for me and did that for about a year and realized, okay, you know what? I'm not making money. I don't like this. I want to do something bigger. So I applied for a sales position. They came back to me and they said, you know what? You have no sales experience. I sat down with the manager at the time. He's like, listen, like, why should I hire you? And I tried to like, you know, finesse him. I'm like, listen, you know, talk to me. Like, I think I'd be a great asset. Sat down, didn't work out, came back three, four months later. He's like, listen, you still don't have experience. I want to put you in a marketing uh, seminar program. If you can secure X amount of people to show up to the seminar, maybe we can revisit hiring you. I reached out to, I think, about 80 people. Out of the 80 people, I secured 20 people to the seminar, which was unheard of because nobody was coming to the seminars. Nobody likes to be sold, and that's a whole other topic for yeah. Like, we can get into later on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I reached out to my barber. I reached out to a guy who used to wrap my car. And uh, some guy that he was a friend of mine who owned a body shop. We set up all these meetings. And I think in my first week of doing the seminar, 
I ended up closing three clients and it was about a hundred grand. Damn. And this was me just, I think I was literally 19 years old, 20 years old, like super young, uh, barely knew like what, what I was going on, like what was going on in the industry. And I remember we went to the meeting in a snowstorm and my manager came with me, we closed the deal and the client said, listen, um, the only reason I'm signing this is because of Nick. And my manager pulls me out at the end of the meeting and says, listen, should I hire you? I said, it's up to you. And we did that for about, uh, we were five years at Z103 and we left uh, in 2018 and I shifted into the Asworld stuff. So what was the, the product that you were selling that you sold a hundred grand worth of? So we were selling. So the whole goal was to, to bring people into this marketing seminar to sell them radio ads. Gotcha. And I secured three clients at, I think it's like roughly like 35, 40 grand. Like, I don't remember the exact dollar amount, but it was close to hundred grand. And everyone was shocked. Cause they're like, how is this kid who literally has no experience mm -hmm. closing a deal that big? Like it takes us months to sell. And for me, I got excited. I'm like, okay, you know, this is easy. I'm going to be able to do this every single day. Knowing that, okay, you know what? It's not actually this easy. It's going to take a little bit longer time. I just got super excited being so young. You're seeing such a big amount. You're thinking, wow, like you made it. Like, you know, this is it. So it was, yeah, essentially radio campaign packages for clients. Um, a lot of them ended up renewing down the line and they loved it. And they're still clients of mine to this day. And yeah, that's how it kind of started off with uh, my radio career selling advertising. So that's impressive, man. So now there was a moment where you were the black sheep of the family. Walk me through that. What happened? So coming from a Middle Eastern family, obviously, they want you to do such great things like being a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Um, telling them that, you know, I want to go into radio broadcasting was fairly new for them because they're not really used to that, especially when my siblings doing other things and it's a different industry. So mm -hmm. in that sense, yeah, it's like a little different because they haven't really seen this. And now telling them I want to ad agency, it's new for them. This is not really a career, an industry that they're familiar with. So in that sense, yeah, it's a black sheep. They've always been supportive. Um, so it's never, oh, like, I don't want you to do this, but it's just, they're not used to these things coming from, uh, sort of a culture where it's like, listen, these are the, these are the main roles and the, the careers that you should be going into. And they obviously want to make sure that their kids are financially stable and they're going into an industry that, you know, has growth in it. So they're looking at it from one angle and I'm obviously looking at it from another, but that's essentially how it would be me being a black sheep of the family. Mm, so it must've been tough around like Thanksgiving times and stuff like that. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what are, you, what are you doing and then comparing to like to your sister and other family members? For sure. That aspect is one part, but it's also like the hours that I'm putting into this business. Like it's not a nine to five. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they're not really used to me having to be doing all these things that during all these times where we should all be together or, you know, like that typically everyone else would be off. Like for example, New Year's, for example, or, or Christmas, I'd still be working like this past holidays. I was still working. I was still doing stuff. So, mm. uh, it's, it's difficult for, for certain families to understand, okay, you know what, like my job kind of is revolving 24 seven and like, I have to be readily available for, for certain clients, but, mm. um, yeah, no, they're supportive. They kind of understand it. And they're actually like super intrigued at what do they do? Like what I do now. And they actually are asking like, Hey, what's going on? Like, what's the campaign you're running? Like, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like, Oh, I saw this or like, so they're actually starting to get involved with it, which is pretty fun, but yeah, they're uh, super supportive and, um, it's just an industry that they're not really used to and familiar with. So no, that's awesome, man. All right. So at what point did you think, all right, I can actually do this? You know, was it once you sold or was there a specific moment from working at the radio station that you're like, all right, I got to pivot off of this and do my own thing. So I was at the radio station for about five years. Um, it came to a point where I just didn't know if I want to continue radio. I didn't know if I want to go into car sales, maybe like get into a whole new, like I was confused. I didn't know, honestly, what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, 
I remember around the time that I was transitioning out, I thought, you know what, I had a couple clients who had agencies and it was a cool concept to me. And I was like, okay, you know what, maybe it's something that I want to do. And I just gave my resignation letter on the day actually that I got hired five years later. It was October 1st and I gave it to my manager and she got really upset. Actually, she was a coworker of mine who ended up becoming a manager and I just wasn't able to kind of relate to people who were working there and it just didn't make sense. I thought I could do more and I was kind of limited with, with the resources that I had and I wanted to do bigger things and just take some time off and figure out what I wanted to do. So around that period, I actually quit. I had an event in, in uh, Dominican Republic. I was supposed to DJ at a pool party in Dominican and I took the time off to go there and reset for about a week. And that was that week where I figured out exactly what I wanted to do. I came back and that's when I started Asworld. And it was funny that I actually quit on the five-year anniversary because I think that's where it was stop set and I needed to kind of get out. And I left on good terms, didn't burn any bridges. We still work together to this day and have great relationships with everyone. And I think if I could have done it sooner, I would have. But I think it was the perfect time that I exited. And it was probably the, that was the, the start of the next chapter of my life. Mm. So now, what I find interesting, man, is starting as well, you're in it completely, and you burn the bridges, it's me or nothing now. 100%. What was the first few sales you got that, that really started? So, the way I am is I build relationships, and a lot of my clients are more than just clients are my family. So when I left, they're all supportive. None of them said, okay, no, we're not going to work with you. So right off the bat, a lot of the clients that I did have were still continuing to work with me. And because I was starting to offer more services, I was able to get them on other things that I wouldn't be able to get them earlier when I was working at Z103. Now, my first few clients were a couple like my like my restaurant clients or, you know, my music festival clients and the clients that I used to have at Z103. And I transitioned them and I brought them over. And I was always, I guess, loyal to the Z guys and Z103 family. And mm -hmm. I always took back the clients that I had still to them. And I ne would never change them and bring them to someone else. I still kept that relationship and that's something that they appreciated because yeah. there's so many people that would just take those and just splat it all over the place and just give it to different people. But I kind of kept it with those guys and I think that's where the respect and kind of that relationship was built. And to this day, funny enough, Z103 is actually one of my clients now and I do advertising for them as well. So that's I did a billboard fine. campaign and it's funny because those are the guys that gave me the start and I wouldn't have had any of this if it wasn't for those guys. But the first couple of sales were a lot of the clients that I did have at Z103 and they kind of just became reoccurring clients when I started Asworld. Mm, gotcha. So you had a bit of a of a of a entrance in it. So you could, you didn't have as much of a gap where you felt like the pressure is all on me type of thing. It, it was a little bit of pressure because at that time you weren't allowed. Like I guess when we were at Z, we weren't able to take clients with us. But it wasn't like I was taking my clients and selling them to other vendors. I was taking the same clients and selling them back to the same vendor, but just as a third party. So I was offering offering them better rates. Plus, I was still giving the dollars back to the radio station. So they weren't really upset. They're like, okay, well, this guy's not working with us, but he's still bringing us clients. Like, that's interesting. So that's why it was like a mutual understanding. Okay, you know what? Everything kind of worked out and nobody was happy. I wasn't stepping on anyone's toes and it just made sense. Mm, that's a clever way because otherwise it could have been an issue. And then 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many people that have done it in, in different ways where they've they've built relationships and then all of a sudden left and taken all those clients with them and they burnt that bridge and people that were probably part of that industry much longer than I have. And someone who's much younger into this industry is flourishing those relationships and building it and maintaining it. 
over the course of all these years and, and it's still working for them. So let's talk billboards, shall let's we? Let's talk billboards. Let's talk it. This is your this is your jam. And by the way, I didn't give you any much of a background on me. I don't know how much you know, but I was in the, I had an ad agency before. Amazing. Yeah. So I used to um have a digital market agency focused on Facebook ads. That's my thing. To this day, my lead gen game is is immaculate. Amazing. You know, that, that that's where I find my 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 niche hundred percent. If you need leads, I can get you in like under twenty bucks, no problem. Oh, okay. You know? Good. But a billboard is a whole different ball game. For sure. You yeah. know, first off, how do you even measure the success of a billboard? So advertising in general. Um, <laughs> no, I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. <laughs> so advertising in general is hard to obviously measure. Yeah. Um, but it, there's a lot of components that you have to keep in mind. Yeah. For example, like our billboards, what do you? What else are you doing to, to advertise? Like, well, first of all, what are you putting on a billboard? The other thing is like, what else are you doing with this campaign? So these are all the questions that I have to ask. There's no way you can kind of gauge it. Mm -hmm. You can gauge it based off of traction on your website. You can gauge it based on how many Instagram followers you're getting. You can gauge it off of how many leads you're getting. There's so many different aspects that you can gauge it off, but it's kind of figuring out first, okay, you know what? Why are you running this billboard campaign? What else are you doing in conjunction with this billboard campaign? Mm -hmm. When people say, oh, well, you know what? I'm just going to run a billboard campaign and I'm expecting to 10X my, my investment. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that's not how it works. Are you doing a billboard for sales or are you doing a billboard to for build brand. your brand? Mm -hmm. And that's where people are kind of lost and they don't know what it is. They just put a billboard thinking, okay, it's just going to bring them sales. And I'll tell them straight up, listen, don't do this then. Oh, no, you're not, you don't know what you're talking about. I do know what I'm talking about because you have no brand. And how are you expecting to advertise now a brand that doesn't exist? Your email is abc at gmail.com. You have no website. You're not even paying for a domain and you're telling me about a brand. You need to build your brand and have that foundation first before you're looking at advertising. So when it comes to the question of, oh, well, how can you track it and measure it? It goes to, okay, well, what else are you doing? Do you have a website to be able to track the people that are searching you up? Do you have a QR code on this billboard that is showing you how many people have scanned it? Are you, do you have a Google system that, you know, when people call, it kind of tracks how many calls you're getting? These are all the questions that are important, but it's a little bit more complex and in depth than just saying, Oh, like how many, you know, how many people called me or, you know, how many leads did you close? Or like, you know, how many business, how much business did you get from it? So most definitely trust me. All right. So what are the ads that actually grind your gears? Every time you see it, you're like, Ugh. I know this is a very touchy subject. Real estate agents. Mm. Those, uh, those upset me like heavily. Yeah. Especially seeing a real estate agent that's wearing a suit, hands crossed, with legs, like with a Gucci belt saying, call me with your face. It's like, no one's going to call you. Mm. Nobody cares what you look like. What kind of sales are you going to provide? Like, what do you, like, what's your whole mission and purpose from this billboard? Is it just to promote yourself? Is it just to show people that you have a Gucci belt, a Mercedes and a Rolex watch? Like, those are the ads that I think don't work and they're not effective and people just waste their money. And no, if, people, if anything, people make fun of them more than actually learning from them. So I think those are the ones that actually upset me the most. Mm -hmm. And just ads that have too much text. No one's reading it. Your average attention span is three to five seconds. So if people are scrolling this quick on TikTok, what makes you think they're going to sit there and read a whole blurb on a billboard? Mm. All right. So let me put you to the test then. If I'm a realtor, which I'm not, and I'll come to you and say, hey, I have a budget of 10 grand for some billboards. What, 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 what should we do? Talk do you have a brand, first of all? I do have a brand. I've been in business for five, six years. Okay. You know? And and actually, what I want to do, too, on top of this, I want to start off, and we can talk about this in general when it comes to budgets, out a smaller budget, mid-budget, and, and wider budget. So I'd sure. love to have this conversation with you. I think this will serve the audience really well. So, like I said, for the realtor, 10K budget, I've been, I have a repertoire, I have clients, 
what would you suggest for a billboard of that nature? Have you done any advertising in the past? Yes. What kind no. of advertising have you done? I've done Facebook ads, Instagram organic. You know, I've done the general rigmarole of, of ads. Have yeah. you, you've never done a billboard though? Never done it's a billboard. First time. first time. Okay. What areas are you looking to farm? Let's do Oshawa. Oshawa. Okay. Uh, is that your kind of the area that you're always mm -hmm. focusing on? Okay. And do you want to put 10K into just strictly Oshawa or you want to kind of divide it up amongst Oshawa, Toronto? Or is it kind of just Oshawa? I think Oshawa probably be best. Okay. So Oshawa right off the bat doesn't have too many locations. Uh, it's very limited. So if you are looking at locations, I can map out a bunch of locations for you. I can send them, you know, based on the different areas. Uh, there are a lot of realtors who are running long-term campaigns in Oshawa. Um, how soon are you looking to run the campaign? Within a month. Okay. And how long of a duration are you looking at? Uh, maybe uh, one to two months. Okay. Um, my suggestion is I would try to stretch that budget into a little bit of a longer campaign just because one to two months is not going to be beneficial and you're not going to see any results. Um, at least minimum, I'd like to put you on for three to six months just so you're going to see some sort of return and actually see your brand start to grow. Um, with billboards, having it for one month and two months is not going to work just because by the time you get that first ad up, it takes about a week for the billboard to go up mm. and people are going to see it maybe, let's say, on towards the end of the week. Listen, the more subscribers we have, the better the guests get. So please hit subscribe. Let's get back to the show. Um, right off the bat, what I can do is I can map out locations that we have available in Oshawa. Oshawa is, uh, is a hot area. There's a mm. lot of real estate agents who are doing billboard campaigns there. Um, my best suggestion to you is to do something a little bit longer than one or two months, just because um, by the time that billboard goes up in that first month, it's going to take about a week because uh, billboards don't get posted on that exact day. It gets posted a week of, mm. and you want to make sure you're maximizing your campaign and people are going to see you for that month and they're not going to see you again. And you're going to call me in about a month and say, Nick, how come uh, no one's seeing me and no one's called me? You want to have with any type of advertising, you want to make sure you have frequency and consistency. Um, so I think six months to start off with would probably be your best bet, especially with a budget of, let's say, 10K. Um, and we can kind of extend that. And instead of looking at multiple locations, we can look at one location and extend it a little bit longer and switch up the creative and kind of stay on top of the edge with the real estate market and kind of just trends that are going on. I have some other examples of clients that I've worked with in the past that I can show you. And uh, you can kind of go over them and let me know if you have any questions and we can kind mm -hmm. of start from there. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So... I wanted to pivot a little bit because our audience are in the middle stage, for a more, more, more so or less so. You know, they have a smaller budgets and then some of them will work with companies that have bigger budgets as well, you know. So let's say I'm starting off, you know, I'll have to go back and forth too. I have a budget of, let's say, $1,000, you know, super, super small. Okay. You know, what are you what looking are at doing uh, for a thousand bucks? Do you want to target a specific area? Or are you looking at, let's say, Dundas Square? Yeah. What sort of that... I guess you can do spot. you can do a thousand at Young and Dundas with Ads World. You can make we can make a thousand dollars work. Really, we can push it for Dundas. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Hell yeah, Young and Dundas for a thousand dollars. So we can do. Obviously, it won't be the big big boards that you see up there, but there are some smaller networks at Dundas, um, and we can work something out with uh, for a last minute campaign for a thousand bucks for the day. Yeah, for a day. Got yeah. you. Got and you, we can switch you. up the creative, and it's also video capable. Dundas Square and Young and Eglinton are the two areas in the city that allow video capability on um well allow video on their screens anywhere else they don't just because of bylaw mm. so you can have a creative that's running with video and you can switch up the creative as many times as you like and uh we'll get some drone footage in there for you as well and some videography and photography and we'll uh we'll get it done for you that's crazy yo i didn't know that a thousand dollars for for young and that's, yeah, that's insane. Starting, yeah you can do it yeah wow all right so 
let's get into some of the like the sexier talks. You know, what's the most expensive billboard you, you've had? Most expensive billboard, I think. I think it was the most expensive campaign that I sold was a two day campaign. Client spent around thirty seven thousand for the two days for wow. Dundas Square. For Dundas Square, yeah. wow. Um, now, in one episode or one interview, you mentioned like the Burj Khalifa. No. Yes. Um, did yes. that ever go through? Like what that, was that one? Like? No. It was a client just who inquired about it. Um, you'll obviously get a lot of RFPs and a lot of inquiries for certain locations. Not necessarily all of them will go through. Yeah. Like I have one right now. The client's looking at doing something in uh, the Middle East for the Olympics. Um, they say they have a big budget. It's kind of like you know we got to see when the budget comes through and mm-hmm. if that sale comes through. With this industry, and it's this is something that I used to struggle with a lot when I first started. Was I used to get excited real quick. When I used to get these yes, inquiries, yes, and I'm sure a lot of people do. Yeah, I've hit that stage now where I'm kind of just not excited at all mm, until, until I that see check comes. exactly. You know so I don't get excited at all, yeah. and people are like, "Yo, how are you not excited? Like this is amazing." Well, has the check cleared? Do we know if it's in the bank account yet? Do I know any of that? No. So when someone just sends me an email, it's just kind of just treating everyone with the same respect and trying to figure out what they need and solve their problem. If it comes, it comes. None of my none of my clients and none of my business is transactional. It's all relationship based. Mm. So my clients don't buy off of me because I'm trying to push them. They buy off of me because they buy because they know I'm taking care of them. And they know that I'm not trying to just jam them for a transaction. It's more than that. It's They're more like family and friends than they are just a client. They'll all call me at any moment of time to bounce off ideas. It's not me invoicing their time on a phone call or you know just trying to sell them constantly. I have clients who... Don't spend any money with me anymore. But if they still call me, I still answer. And I treat them with the same respect of the client that's spending money with me every single day. So um, holiday season, I go see all my clients, drop by. I still drop off gifts for my first ever client when I was my Z103 client to this day. He still looks at me every year. He's like, why are you dropping off gifts? Mm. I, that's just how I am. And that's just how I do business. And and going back to when we were talking earlier off even camera about being professional, being more professional. I think there's so many people in this industry. And everyone now is trying to do all these different cool things and like agencies and marketing firms and all this. And they kind of forget that professional aspect. They're trying to make it like that cool hype thing, but it's like, sure, be cool, be hype, but why don't you just be professional while you're doing all this? And people like to, to feel good and like to be treated well. And if you're not treating them well, and it's all about Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, it's like, nobody cares about that at the end of the day. It's like how, how you make, how I make you feel. If I treat you well with respect at the end of the day, you're going to, love me and you're going to love dealing with me versus someone who's rude and arrogant and cocky and just thinks like, you know, they're the best of the best. Mm-hmm. You can still be the best of the best, but treat it with respect and just be humble. That's a fact. The way you treat people is everything in this. For business. sure. And that they build that relationship and having that over time, I think is huge. Cause sometimes what I find is once that monetary relationship ends, then that niceness that sure. kindness comes to an end as well. Yeah. You know, it's tough to keep that going over time. Yeah. Most definitely, man. So I, I shout out to you for, for doing that because a lot of people do not do Thank that. You. Thank you. You know, it's, yeah, it's, we're in a customer service based industry. So you have to service the customer. You have to treat them with respect, whether they're buying a $500 campaign or a $500,000 campaign. Yeah. I still treat the, my corporate clients that spend six figures the same that I do with a client that spends thousand dollars. So that nobody ever thinks, oh, you know what? This guy treated me differently because I'm spending. You talk to any of my clients, the ones that spend the least and the most, they'll say, yeah, Nick treats me the same. Mm. Like there's, it's it's in sync. It's unilateral. Nothing changes. It's, mm-hmm. that's just how I am as a person. That's how I do business. So do you think someone can actually can come to you and say, hey, I want the biggest ROI and then say, hey, let's do a billboard and have that pan all the way through? 
Yeah, we can, depending on what kind of campaign they're looking at, what kind of budget they have. Mm-hmm. I've had clients who've done billboard campaigns who are like, listen, we need to see an ROI. I said, okay, well, it comes down to the creative. What kind of creative are we putting up? Mm-hmm. And they showed me the creative and it was just like some text and a picture. I said, well, with this creative, obviously, you're not going to get any ROI. Sure. So I think this was the first ever campaign we did with a QR code on it. Mm-hmm. And we put a massive QR code on the billboard. And and that month, they got about 10,000 scans. And that's they were, how they were able to track how many people were going by and how many people actually bought it. And I told them, this is the best way. Because if you're telling me, oh, let's put a billboard and nobody calls you, this way it's an interactive QR code. People can scan it. They can see it. It's full transparency. You're not going to call me and say, oh, nobody called me. And I'm not going to try to tell you 50 billion people tried to call you. It's 10,000 people who've scanned it. You see so, it, yeah. I see it. And that's it. And from that, it built this reputation with me and the client that, okay, you know what? This guy is very transparent and a straight shooter. Listen, if we're going to do a campaign, this is what it is. And they saw that it worked. They kept it going. And to this day, they're still running campaigns and, and it just makes sense for them. And it was the first ever, it was a trial and error for, for, for both of us because I never put up a QR code on a billboard thinking it's going to work and they didn't put it either. And mm-hmm. we put it up. It's actually scanned, which was hilarious because it was the size of like a window on a billboard and people were scanning and it would work and nothing ever, there was no issues with it. So, wow. and that's how I kind of started pushing more QR codes on billboards and I even did it for myself and it just made sense and we just kept it going. What niche was that in? That, 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 uh, this was a furniture company. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you something a little bit off center. What has nobody asked you in the podcast that you've always wanted to be asked? That's a good question. Um, I guess one question that nobody really asks is why, why I do this and why I keep doing it every day and why advertising and what's, what's so good about this industry that I kind of stuck with it for this long. I think everyone always wants to talk about just like, oh, billboards and like, you know, like, how did you get into it and this? Nobody really asks, like, what's the purpose behind it and why you're doing this? What's your why? Exactly. So I think that's one question that a lot of podcasts lack and um, nothing against them. It's just certain podcasts go in different directions. But I think uh, that's probably one of the questions that I would say uh, is hasn't been asked. So what is your why? So I like helping people. That's uh, that's generally who I am as a person, whether it's helping my friends, helping uh, family and helping businesses. I get a sense of accomplishment and just pleasure from just helping people, whether it's helping build their brands, helping them get sales, helping them blow something up. And that's essentially why I do what I do. And I just like to see people do well and just even from people around me and just businesses. It's just I want to help them out. And I know how certain industries struggle and it's a little bit difficult for them. And I have that expertise and that knowledge and that's why I like to do what I do is because I get that sense of accomplishment and it's just something that I'm passionate about. It's not even work for me. It's more just, okay, you know what? New client, let's figure out what they're doing, how we can help them. And I want to see them grow. I've had clients when I first started with them, they didn't even have a logo. They didn't have a website. Now they're doing so much money in sales and talking to them now it's like okay you know what thank you so much Nick. It was, this was because of you like that we were able to do so well and you know that family's doing well and everything so it's that sense of just being able to to help people and and it kind of just pays off on its own that's what i enjoy about more not the money aspect of the money will come and go sort of thing mm-hmm. it's more just actually helping people and that's what i enjoy doing and mm-hmm. every that's why i said it's not always transactional it's more about caring about them and mm-hmm. actually trying to help them and it's cool seeing all these different industries in this industry that i'm in 
because then if I do decide to transfer into another industry or, you know, invest in something, I kind of have that experience because I work with so many industries that I know what's the positive, one industry, what the negative is the other. So it's cool in that aspect. And my day to day is different. One day I'm dealing with car dealerships. The next day I'm dealing with restaurants. So I hear that, man. Where does that come from for me, for you? I'll say that again. Where does that come from for you, from your parents? Yeah, I think it's just, it's definitely from my family as well. Cause like my, my parents, both of them, they like to help people as well. It's like, they're giving people and, it's just kind of just how I was brought up and even my sister, same thing. It's like, we're just generally giving family. And I think that's how it kind of related into the business that I do. And it's not just me trying to make money. Sure. Obviously everyone wants to make money, but it's uh, it's a little bit more deeper than that. It's just actually care about people and trying to help them and just coming from a good place and having a good heart, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. What, what part of the city did you grow up in? I'm Richmond Hill. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you feel like, Richmond Hill was a, a good... Do you still live in Richmond Hill? I still do, yeah. Interesting. All right, so moving, working towards wrapping up, you know, for someone that is looking to start marketing for themselves, you know, where do you think they should start? You got to build your brand. You got to start off with a logo. Do the small, small stuff that you know you can and it's not going to cost you um, much and you don't have to go to someone else. Whether it's starting that logo, whether it's, you know, creating that email... If you can build a website on your own, build it. If you can't, yeah. try to like learn. There's so many different platforms and templates that will help you. Setting up a Google My Business account. Of course, of course. These are the course, most yeah, like yeah. key important parts that you need to do. And yeah. it's a lot that people kind of forget and they just don't do it at all. And like I had a, I had a literally a meeting right before I come into the podcast. It's my new, like one of my buddies, he's opened up a gym. And I'm like, listen, hey, like, what have you done? He's like, oh, I've done this, this, this. I'm like, have you set up a Google My Business account? He's like, no. I'm like, so you've done everything else. You start an Instagram page, but you don't even have a Google. I was just like, fuck, I need to get on that ASAP. Sorry, I don't know if we can swear or not. No, you can, yeah. you can swear. Yeah, 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 you're good, bro. You're good. So it's funny how many people do not have a Google My Business account. None. Yeah. You know, it's, it's people can write reviews for you. Yeah. You can put all your information there, your hours, and it's just something that is there all the time. And yeah. it's the store, it's your online storefront. Yeah. And people don't realize that until you tell them and they realize it and they're like, wow, like I should have gone on this. Like, Anytime I've done a business, that's the first thing I've always done because it takes some time for Google to authenticate you and verify you. Mm. And that's where I put my website, my phone number, and all that info. And you have to have this. And people are so worried about their Instagram views and TikTok. And it's like, set this up first, then worry about all that other stuff. Or people that don't even have a proper email, it's something, something at yeah, gmail.com. Gmail. That's my biggest pet peeve. If you're yeah. a real estate agent, you're making so much money on these transactions. Invest in a $6.99 email. Yeah off of GoDaddy or, or Google and that's it. Just use it. But they don't. And these are the small things that people look at. Like that's the first thing I look at when I see a, an advertisement. If I see it at gmail.com, I'm not taking them seriously. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. I don't. This podcast is brought to you by Narai Sellers Wine. One of the only black owned wine companies in Canada. So not only are you supporting the show, but you're supporting black ownership. Now, who is Narai Sellers Wine? They have 10 years of experience in winemaking. So what we're going to do is going to hit the link below and visit NaraiSellers.ca and try the wine for yourself. Let's get back into the show. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Um, you know, we're in a bit of a traditional stage with the show. And, um, you know, having you come on the show means a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Thank you. What's that for you? Ladies and gentlemen, the hustle you can't control. So control your grind and control your life. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I should show you how. Peace.